The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast with me, Brian Welsh and Jax Bruce. Jax, how are you? What have you been up to? Um, yeah, I'm good. Um, I had a nice weekend. I was out for lunch enjoying the sunshine in one of the rooftop restaurants in Glasgow city centre, which was good. Caught up with friends I hadn't seen for a while um, and managed to actually paint one wall in my living room before I went out on Saturday. <laughs> so um, so it was it was a relaxing and quite productive weekend as well. Um, how are you? You all right? Yes, yes, yes. We've had uh, two dogs for the last um, um, 10 days. So I, I was very relieved on um, at 10 o'clock on Sunday night when the one that wasn't ours went home. Uh, <laughs> that was a challenge for me. Never mind. Other than that, it's all good. Um, okay, so today we have the pleasure of talking to Derek McDonald, who has been on before, and also Alan Draper. But we're going to have a discussion today about EV charging in the property industry. Um, Derek, as you'll know, because he's been on before, is Joint MD at Newton Property Management and and he and his team have been pioneering the installation of EV charging points across their portfolio. Alan is the director of EV Solutions. Alan is also a member of the Institute of Residential Property Management um, with more than 15 years experience in the residential leasehold sector and prior to this 15 years in IT. So that's where I came from, so a man from my own heart. Um, so guys, how are you doing? Derek, you good today? Yeah, doing really good, Brian. Yeah, yeah and I'm glad this um, heat wave's over. <laughs> yeah. if, you want, uh, if you want to call it that in Scotland um, but uh, yeah yeah good yeah ready to go everyone's back from the holidays now so good yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it good good and Alan Alan good to have you on thanks very much for coming on and agreeing to this how are you doing yeah good thank you much like Derek just back from holiday and um, yeah enjoyed the heat wave um, and now back uh, back in the office and just trying to catch up on the last two weeks yeah, as yeah, holidays are great when you're there, but it's catching up on everything when you get back, isn't it? Um, so, Derek, um, let's come to you first. Could you give listeners a short intro to where Newton is at with EV charging? And then, Alan, can you tell us what you're doing just now as well? So, Derek, do you want to go first? Sure. Well, I think maybe following on from the, the last chat that we had, yeah. so Newton um, really kind of, you know, Took, took the lead, I think, in the industry uh, a couple of years ago. Now we were finding that, um, you know, the level of interest from our customers in having electric vehicle charging facilities was just rocketing. We could see the trend. We knew what, or we know what's coming down the road, um, that, you know, you won't be able to buy a, an ICE car, an internal combustion engine car, new after a certain date. So we really had to be thinking about this you know, from you know, from now, how we're going to deal with it. The, the, the some of the the the, the legal challenges that Scottish property managers factors have 
uh, are, are pretty well documented, but I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this later on. I'm really fascinated uh, to hear from Alan, to hear uh, what the challenges are um, uh, for his neck of the woods. Um, but we, we, we realized a couple of years ago that if the only way that we were going to be showing our customers, you know, what the the benefits would be um, to, uh, you know, to having an electric car would be it's chicken and egg. You got to put in a charging unit. Yeah. Um, so, so we uh, piloted a scheme um, where Newton uh, used their own money initially um, to install uh, uh, charging units uh, in our customers' developments with their permission. Obviously, that's extremely important. Barrel <laughs> yeah. in there and say, "Hey guys, here's a charging unit for you." Um, and uh, but you know, through through that process, you know, we sh we showed that um, you know it, it, there's a practical solution to it, at least in the short term. Uh, it deals with the the, the immediate demand, uh, and, and it helped, and it's helping our customers get mobile in a in a in a more environmentally friendly way than they were before. Although, you know, we, we appreciate, gosh, the more you read about it, um, you know, there's there's still environmental concerns about electric cars. You know the cost of production, the the, the tires, etc. All this kind of stuff. Um, but generally speaking, um, you know we really, really took the view that look, if we can kind of grab the bull by the horns here, uh, and we can get these things in, uh, then we'll, we'll show the owner. And as a result of that, um, you know we're, we're now I think in the industry known as as being the guys that can do it, can do attitude, uh, and you know we're seeing more of these things going going in, and actually. Um, just about a month ago, I think we had our latest passive charging net, uh, system that went in uh, in a development in the West End here that, uh, uh, that we, we, we helped the owners to, to put into it. So, so we're, 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 we're delighted to be, to be involved in it, but there's so much more to do. And, you know, the, the, the industry and, and our, our customers, you know, really need some help here to, to get these things rolled out. And, you know, you know, we're keen to make sure that somebody living in a flat is not disadvantaged to somebody living in a house with off-street parking. Yeah, sure, sure. No, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, Alan, do you want to just give us a kind of a short intro as to where you and EVE are at the moment? Uh, yes, so um, EV Solutions Group is uh, it's a consultancy that uh, actually advises uh, leaseholders and particularly property managers on how to get um, electrical vehicle charging infrastructure retrofitted into their developments. Now, okay. my background is that I'm actually a property manager and I own a property management agency, Common Ground Estate and Property Management. Right. And uh, a few things sort of aligned um, around 18 months ago where we, Common Ground actually won the, the contract to uh, manage a development of uh, nearly 200 units in Oxford. Um, that development is actually owned by the Lucy Electric Group, and I think you know, most property managers will have probably seen Lucy Electric um, kit in their development somewhere. Um, they were very keen to um, implement uh, 150 electrical vehicle charging points into the car park at, um, at this development. Uh, the leaseholders were um, by and large on, on board of the idea. And it was something that I was interested in personally. I'm, I'm a bit of an IT nerd personally. I wouldn't call myself a nerd, but I'm definitely in touch with my inner geek. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I, own, I bought a, 
an electric vehicle about um, 18 months ago. Okay. Um, is, it fully, is it fully electric? Yeah. It's fully electric. Yeah. You seriously have to go and test drive one because they are absolutely great fun. I still drive it like I stole it because <laughs> it's yeah. yeah and um so i i bought the uh, well, it's a tesla uh, 18 months ago and okay. you know one of the the reasons for me buying it is you know there's the environment thing but also in the uk there's um, tax advantages so there's no benefit in kind tax on electric cars at the moment yeah. so increasingly people are being offered electric cars through their um through their employers yeah. And I thought, well, I, I need a new car and, and that was it. And then at the same time, we were appointed to manage um, the development in Oxford and they were sort of struggling to get the infrastructure in place and go through all of the various things. And, and it just became a bit of an obsession, really. I kind of looked into the whole thing and I saw, you know, all of the various obstacles that are, are in the way. And we were consulting with the leaseholders um, at the the development in Oxford is actually called the Eagle Works in Oxford. Okay. And it became obvious that um, it, it was a really, really complex um, uh, problem to solve in that you've got, you know, the leases that you have to deal with, um, there's electrical infrastructure, then there's actually managing the leaseholders themselves. Um, even if you get the electrical infrastructure um, into the development, you've also then got to, to bill it because you you know if you run it off the communal supply, you've then got to recharge that. Um, but the the I think the biggest single obstacle that we we found particularly was is the leases. Um, I got my head really into this, and um, rather than answer hundreds and hundreds of questions from the uh, leaseholders of the Eagle Works, I actually published a couple of articles on the Common Ground website. Okay. based on my research into this and that led to an approach by the institute of residential property management initially to do a white paper on the piece and um for about uh, four months after that i was sort of getting up at five in the morning and working through until about eight um just solidly researching this piece i absolutely love doing it um but the, the six or seven pages that the institute of residential property management were expecting ended up being about 28 so it was rebranded as a thought piece Okay. Um, and, and in the interim, uh, I've a good friend of mine, Ken Ingram, uh, I was talking to him about it and we both realized that the property managers actually needed help with this because there's, there's no sort of out of the box solution for any development. Everything is going to be bespoke. So we formed EV Solutions Group um, just under a year ago and we, we launched formally at the Institute of Residential Property Management annual seminar in May and I was a, a presenter there and um, yeah the interest has been huge it's uh, it's you know exceeded our expectations so I appreciate that I was asked to do a uh, you know a summary and I feel like <laughs> I've overstayed my uh, my time on that so yeah um, that that's where that's where we're at no no it's good to get it's good to get some background from you and and, and what you've been doing and, and where you've come from um <clears throat> um especially like the inner geeky comment i come from an uh I started life as a developer was i suppose you could call me a tech um but but not much these days i would have said derek you drive a fully electric car now as well don't you i do yeah and i suppose um you know similar to a lot of people that get into electric cars you know you're you're kind of there's a kind of progression to that. So yeah. I started off three years ago. I moved to a um, had a petrol car, and then I went to a plug-in hybrid. 
Um, yeah. So there was a, all the electric range of about 30 miles. And uh, the, the so listening to the comments about geeks, I mean, I, I just I just love all this stuff. So if I do something, Brian, as you know, like I do it properly. Mm -hmm. So my 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 objective was to run this thing on electric as often as possible. Sure. And to the extent I actually wore the battery out. Oh, wow. <laughs> they had to, yeah, they had to replace the battery under warranty because um, I was just using it. Um, and I think I got, um, I think the, the longest time between top-ups uh, of the petrol was about nearly six months. Um, wow, that's and, pretty good. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, so I, I did that and then... Um, you know, got the bug and I thought, gosh, you know, because your performance is always limited uh, when you're running purely in electric on a, on a, yeah. on a, on a plug-in. Yeah. Um, and uh, as, as Alan was saying there, you know, the opportunity came. Um, fortunate enough that it's a, it's a company car uh, and that there's incredible tax benefits at the moment. So sure. uh, as indeed all of our directors at the moment are, are moving over uh, to, to electric and, uh, and I went fully electric in April. But the... Uh, but there was a, a horrendous delay, you know, post-COVID and, and everything for the car. And I know that's a major frustration for a lot of folk that are waiting for an electric car because the demand is so high yeah. um, that if they're told, right, it's going to be an 18-month lead time for it, they say, oh, no, I'm not interested in that. And I'll, you know, I'll just go for a, a standard petrol or a diesel car. And it's yeah. kind of creating a bit of a ripple in the market. Um, yeah. But I, I certainly, and don't get me wrong, you know, I mean, electric cars at the moment, they're becoming more affordable um and the second hand market is developing sure. um but you know that they're, they're still you know it's not on a pound for pound basis for 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 a, for a petrol vehicle yeah um so you know I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position that i'm able to do that just now um but i i, I genuinely hope that you know the more electric cars are seen on the road and, and what the government did you know a couple of years ago by mandating or, or encouraging the, you know, the green uh, tag on the on the license plate i thought yeah, that. yeah yeah um so you know you can spot an electric car a mile off now and the more you see of them the more people are getting familiar with them and there's a real economic argument more than just the kind of the taxational benefits i mean you know the running costs i mean with with petrol and diesel skyrocketing um you know it becomes even and even with electricity costs going up um, there's still a massive uh, uh, cost benefit there, uh, for, you know, for, for running one. And um, you know, the more that people see that, uh, hopefully, the better. I mean, we what, what one thing, and, and this is maybe a bit of a side issue, but what, what one thing that we've noticed in terms of our customer attitude to electric cars is you've got the kind of the, the early adopters. So, so these are customers that are, you know, they're they're. Technology-wise, you know, they're into something that the Tesla geek, if you like, um, that really, you know, wants to get behind, behind the product or, you know, the, the technology. Um, but there's also a significant number of our customers that we've noticed, and maybe a certain demographic. Maybe maybe it's an age-related thing. Not always, but sometimes um, that are quite apprehensive about electric vehicles. And you know, if there's a story uh, out there about you know, electric vehicles spontaneously combusting, you know, this this will be something that that, that they'll point to and say, oh, well, you know, maybe they're not safe, but, you know, th there's there's just, there's so much in, in, in my mind that, that positives about electric vehicles yeah. that massively out, outweigh the, 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 the downsides at the moment, unless we find out something about them later on. Um, yeah. But, but there, there definitely is a, a perception issue. Um, and, and we also think, you know, because people are people are, are, are you know we're creatures of habit, 
you know, if you think about, you know, if you've spent your entire working life, you know, running a petrol or a diesel car, you know, you've got that rhythm in your life, you know, you've got that, 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 um, you know, you get your monthly pay, you know, you, you go to the supermarket, you know, maybe like once every two weeks, you fill the car up yeah, as yeah. part of your routine. Yeah. And actually, I think sometimes when people are thinking about getting an electric car, because it, it does require an adjustment in the way that you use these things and the yeah. way that you run them, it, it sometimes, you know, there can be a bit of hesitation about, well, I'll actually need to change my, my routine. Yeah. Um, but I can, I can assure anyone listening to this, it's such a small adjustment particularly if you've got the benefit of off-street parking. So, sure. you know, if you're lucky enough to come home park the car in, which is what we're trying to help customers do in their flats, yeah. you know, you just come home, plug it in, top it up to 80%, because that's the max you're supposed to do if you're running regularly. Yeah. Um, and it, it just becomes so easy uh, and stress-free. And, and driving an electric car, uh, listening to Alan's uh, comments there about, you know, driving it like you stole it, um, it's, you know, you've, you've got the fun factor, you know, it puts a smile on your face. But it's also incredibly relaxing, um, particularly because there's no gearing in them, yeah. um, and it's, yeah. it's just it's just a joy. So anyone thinking about getting one, go and test drive one. Um, you know, you don't have to go for the hundred thousand pound Tesla like Alan's got. The wink. And all 100,000. I don't know what you drive, so let's not go there. Okay? No, no. Um, but it's, 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 it really is an experience, and, and definitely the positives outweigh the negatives. Yeah. I, t I tell you, I'm, I need to ask this question because my I have a twin brother, and um, he lives in Scotland as well, and he does a huge amount of work, Nottingham, maybe down kind of Hampshire way. And does, does range anxiety actually exist? Um. um I'll go. I'll go first, Alan. Okay. Okay. Um, yes, it does when you first get the car, right? Because it you, you because it takes a bit of time to figure out um, what the plan is if you're going on a longer journey. Um, but you know the 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 you know you know the the, the main uh, arterial routes in the UK now. Are so well serviced. I mean, yeah. there, there are apps, you know, using out your smartphone, telling you where, you know, all of the, the the charge points are, and a lot of these apps tell you whether charge points occupied or not. Yeah. Um, and and you know, so many of these charge points now are the, the public charging. Um, it's um, you know, you just need to tap your, your debit card on it now instead yeah. of actually signing up. So it's just yeah. becoming so so much easier. I, I did. I think a couple of weeks after I got my latest car, I did a, we, we've got uh, a couple of offices, one in Aberdeen, one in Burness. Um So I, I, I just so happened to have, I wasn't looking for an excuse, uh, you know, something to do in both offices in, in two consecutive days. And it really wasn't. I think I topped up twice, um, one of which at, um, there's a new uh, Ionity uh, charging station at Perth. Right, and okay. that thing is unbelievable. I mean, Honestly, I mean, I went in. I think it went in with thirty percent in in the car. There's a, a little um, Starbucks next to it, so I went in there and I got a you know a cup of tea and a, and a biscuit, and I was in there for twenty minutes. And I came back out, and it was like ninety percent. It's actually unbelievable. Yeah. So you know the the, the the anxiety you have a little bit of anxiety, but it's, it's to do with this adjustment in the way that yeah. you think. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. And what about you, Al? You drive that? Well, I don't know if you drive. You probably don't drive the same Tesla. You probably drive a better one. But my brother is a Tesla driver, and uh, yeah. And I did phone him the other day when I was on the. I was coming up from Southampton, and I was on the M6, and he was coming up the East Coast on the A1, and he stopped 
for dinner at the Holiday Inn at Scotch Corner to charge his car so that he could make it back to Scotland. I guess it is just an adjustment, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've got a very similar story to Derek in that, um, I mean, for for me, range anxiety isn't such a big thing because I generally don't do more than about 100, 150 miles in a day. Right. Uh, But then there was uh, an occasion I had to take my mother on a fairly long journey that exceeded the range um, of the of the vehicle in, in, you know, as a day trip. And um, this is, the, I'm sorry, but this is where my inner geek is, is just bursting to come out and tell you this story. Um, I basically put the, um, the coordinates into the sat-nav of the car. We got on the motorway. I put the, um, the car onto autopilot, which works really, really well on the motorway. As we're driving up um, the M40, a lorry pulls out in front of me, and I didn't see it because I was sat gassing to my mother. And um, the car picked it up far quicker than I would have done, put the brakes on, and that was it. So the car pretty much drove us all the way to our destination, which I think was Wolverhampton that day. Um, We went to the event that we were going to, and then on the way back, I put the route in. The car actually told me where to stop, and when we got to, I think it was Warwick Services, uh, we got in there, we stopped for a coffee, and after 20 minutes, the car texts me and says, yeah, we've got enough to go home now. Wow. Back in the car, self-drive, drink my coffee. It was a fantastic experience. And um, I, I think it also leads on to the fact that when I bought, when I got the Tesla, I, I'd i never really researched electric vehicles. And, and I mentioned this in the white paper, I just hadn't really fully invested in it. And it was actually my accountants did a sort of spoof Top Gear video. Um, call that to Matt Williams here because it's a fantastic video where he sort of um, tries to do it in the style of um, Top Gear. Uh-huh. So, you know, he's a wannabe Jeremy Clarkson. And he's, he's basically doing this review of a Jaguar I-Pace. And I thought, oh, what's he doing here? And then he basically came to it and said, well, the whole point of me doing this is that there's uh, no benefit in kind tax on fully electric vehicles. And immediately I sprung up. I thought, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And at that point, I then properly started looking into um, electric vehicles. And all my sort of previous prejudices about them melted away. You know, the mm-hmm. range on mine, mine's the, the bog standard Tesla. It's not the £100,000 one that I'd really like. Um, <laughs> it's less than that, I can assure you. Uh, but the range, the standard range on that's 250, uh, 250 miles. And you get a long range one up to 350. And, and really the electric vehicles, you know, are starting to match uh, petrol or diesel cars yeah. in terms of the range. So, you know, all my prejudices went away and i decided right i've got to go and test drive one i was bored one saturday sat with my daughter and i said oh should we go and test drive one we got down to the the center got in this car reversed it out and it was eerily quiet and we looked at one and i thought gosh this is this is strange got it on the um dual carriageway put my foot down my head hit the back of the seat same yeah. with my daughter and my daughter just turned to me and said daddy you've got to get one of these and i was just like, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And that was it I, I ordered it two days later and took delivery wow. six weeks later wow i must admit i have been in a um a business partner of mine in in, in my other business um her husband has 
I, I, it's the ludicrous one, uh, what ludicrous mood or something like that. And he took me out in it, and and yeah. I, I felt as if my throat was crushing when he accelerated. It was just, it was scarily fast. Yeah, in so. in ludicrous mode, uh, what what it does in the Tesla, you put it onto ludicrous mode, and then it gives you two options. It says, "Are you sure?" Uh, <laughs> press yes. No, I want my mummy. So you know, he's on mummy. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, to be fair, actually, and Derek and I have had this conversation before because I, um, the one that the car that Derek had that he needed to replace the battery, I had one of them as well, and it only did about twenty miles, I think, on battery, as if I recall. The company car tax was not no no was not hugely beneficial on it. Um, it was possibly better than um, than most, but not hugely beneficial. But actually, the damn thing broke down all the time. So I sent it back after two years. And I now have a I have a, a hybrid, and I can get I think about fifty five out of mine. Um, so coming to work, going to work and and home, um, if I come into the office, I don't I don't need fuel. I just put it in electric mode. But you're right. That I mean that there, there's a performance kind of constraint when doing that but but you know i i don't have a charging point in my house i literally drive it around the back of the house i have a third an external 13 amp socket i plug that in the car and at two at, at 2 a.m in the morning i get a text to say it's charged but that's all i need because i obviously i have fuel as well to go on my way but uh, but yeah i, I to be to be perfectly honest this but this is on a three-year lease so hell over had it only had about for four or five months but i would have thought the next one will be fully electric yeah because you know technology in cars over three years is it takes leaps and bounds yeah so okay so i suppose we might get back to talking about property management rather than cars um so so Derek, Derek, i'll come to you first where do you think ev charging is heading within the industry um, I, th I think the we need to kind of split it into kind of two independent areas. There's EV charging for new build properties, yeah, uh, and EV charging for uh, properties where um, there's a a demand uh, from the owners to to retrofit. So yeah. I think EV charging for new build properties. We're already seeing this um, that uh, you know. Most well it depends when when they were actually green lit, but most uh, new build blocks of flats that are going up now are, are going in with the infrastructure there ready. Um, so they don't have the you know the, the electronics installed, um, but uh, you know the, uh, the the cable the basic cabling is going in the, the cable runs, so it's ready for a system to 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 go in. I actually think the next step um, in the evolution of this. Um, with uh, the with the demand rising, um, is I think uh, you will see at the moment. We've only seen I think a couple uh, in Scotland where the developers gone the whole hog, um, and these are very high end properties. Uh, one of which we don't manage, which is through in Edinburgh, and I was very um, fortunate to be shown that by the developer uh, quite recently, um, where they have installed you know the whole the whole system with the exception of the actual charging point for each individual car, because you have to subscribe to get into that. Yep. Um, but I do think um, that we'll see, you know, over the next uh, short while, the next few years, um, you know, developers seeing uh, that there's actually, um, you know, a benefit. Uh, obviously, there, there's a cost to them uh, for having, you know, a plug and play solution, but I think, I think this is coming and it'll, it'll relieve the owners of a massive headache, no, no doubt. 
Um, the, the, the flip side of that, the other, the other one is the, the retrofit. Um, we, uh, you know, we, we're doing what we can. We're working with owners where we can, where we think we can get a consensus. But, you know, um, it, it really, we're going to have to see, you know, some uh, significant uh, legislative changes uh, to make the uh, decision making more democratic. Um, because at the moment it isn't, and we can maybe get into that a little bit later with Alan. I'm really fascinated to hear, um, you know, what, how, how, you know, uh, what restrictions are uh, are on uh, people in uh, in England, especially uh, on that. Um, but uh, there's definitely what I can tell you is that the, the demand is definitely growing exponentially, um, and you know we've got to, as property managers, we've got to educate ourselves. We've got to know. You know what the technology is. We've got to know what the, you know, the simplest way to deploy it is. How to navigate the the, the legal impediments, uh, and to make sure that you know we are providing as good a service to our customers as possible and a service that they, they absolutely you know uh, demand. And and it, it does frustrate me a wee bit. Um, you do hear stories of um, of customers who are customers of other property managers where um, because the 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 other property managers maybe haven't had any experience of it, uh -huh. um, and you know they point to the the title deeds in a in a development, and they say no, we can't do it, and they just don't they just don't help. And I don't think that's really the way to go. I think um, you know education is key, and explaining if you can't do something, why you can't do it, but what you maybe sure. could do, and what the owners could do. There's always a way to do it at the moment, but I think as we get into this later on, we'll we'll have a couple of suggestions uh, for how. Uh, in Scotland, we can uh, we can get we can uh, overcome the the legal hurdles. <clears throat> okay, we'll hold on to that, folks. A couple of questions coming up, as you as you've said, with the, 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 that we can talk about with that. Um, so, from your point of view, Alan, um, where do do you think EV charging is heading within the industry? Um, in the white paper that I did for the IRPM, we've actually um, we put a couple of checklists in there that um, that property managers can use. We see it as being two uh, distinct markets where you'll have your early adopters, the leaseholders that, that want something now. And there are things that we can do that we can put in place to allow a, a certain number of leaseholders to be able to connect maybe to a communal electricity supply. But then once you've... Um, you know, gone past the um, the limits of the in incoming electrical supply, then you are looking at a site-wide scheme. So we see it sure. in that way. There's going to be early adopters, people with electric cars right now. There isn't the funds there to, to put in a site-wide scheme. And then that will then eventually progress on to a site-wide scheme. Um, Derek also mentioned about new build and retrofit. So EV solutions is very much uh, um, dealing with the kind of retrofit things. That's 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 absolutely our um, speciality. Wow. But also in terms of new build as well. Certainly in England, we're seeing a lack of joined up thinking, and we are talking to the Office for Zero Emissions Vehicles about this. In that we, um, through the managing agency Common Ground, we have a development a new build that we manage. And part of the planning requirement for that was that they had to put an electric charger into the, the development. Uh -huh. um, there were nine, there's nine flats of this development. So what they've done just to go to, to fulfill the planning requirements, they stuck a single charger in there and they've connected it to the communal supply. So the first person that um, gets an electric vehicle is basically going to be getting electricity that they're for. 
uh, or wow. contributing towards. So there's a there is a lack of joined up thinking. And, sure. um, you know, the, the government needs to, to to look at this and uh, you know take a take a, a big picture view on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's just legislation for or or the planning requirement is just that's a, it is just a, a tick in the box kind of thing in that scenario, isn't it? So, yeah, but what's what's going to happen is that that's it's going to have to be ripped out at some point, and yeah. they're probably going to have to uh, upgrade the incoming supply, and you know that's quite a few thousand pounds in reality has just been wasted just to yeah. comply with the planning yeah. application. Yeah. Okay. So, just sticking with you then, Alan, you can have this one first. What support do you think the industry needs? The biggest problem that property managers are going to face is that they are not going to be. Uh, it, it just isn't in their day to day. And yeah. There's an awful lot of um, uh, different technologies out there. There's a you know, million and one ways to solve the various technical issues uh, and legal issues that that come up uh, as part of any installation of uh, an EV charger. Uh, the government, I think, will need to legislate because in cases where you've got um, an absolute prohibition on improvements, uh, and that's a lot of leases, then in reality, to be able to get EV charging infrastructure implemented, you've got to amend all of those leases and those yeah. that will require agreement of all parties. And I think the government needs to, to deal with that because it's going to leave a lot of leaseholders unable to actually install this infrastructure. Okay. Okay. And Derek, what support does the industry need? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, along the lines of Alan was saying, the, um, the, I think that, you know, I think we, we, we've got to, um, you know, be careful when we're talking about, you know, what support the industry needs um in Scotland, you know okay we we're we're the ones that help facilitate this but it's actually the the owners the property owners that are that will be the ultimate beneficiary of it and it's actually them that are creating the demand yeah. so i would say that um you know it's the support that the owner the property owners need um uh decoding for alan you know the equivalent of the the, the kind of the the the, the, the uh, leaseholders um the, the, what, what support do they need um, uh, from from the property manager, uh, and also uh, from the you know the, the 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 party that ultimately decides you know what is is going to be possible, and, and that's the the, the legislature, um, and uh, what what can can they, can they deal with it? Um, but I cer certainly think I mean you know if you look at the um, the bodies that we deal with. Um, you know, Alan had mentioned uh, uh, Ozev. Um, you know, they've they've they're coming forward now. Um, there was a new grant structure that was launched. I think was it April or May this year, Alan? It was. It was April. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, with actually, you know, face value, a very um, generous uh, a, a, a grant funding uh, a proposal, but obviously subject to there's caveats there. But you know. You know, maximum cap for the building, etc. Yeah. Um, but also the the energy saving trust. I mean, they've been really fantastic. Uh, we deal with their their Edinburgh uh, office, uh, and they, they've been really good, uh, helpful. First in terms of the guys in there, um, uh, you know, uh, advice and, and and just generally. I mean, I remember we went through. Oh gosh, this was actually good. Time flies, guys, doesn't it? You know, before uh, post uh, uh, lockdown, post uh, COVID, 
a bit of pre-COVID rather, um, uh, we went through there with some customers of ours uh, and we spent a couple of hours with them and, uh, you know, just talking through, uh, and this was this was a really, I, I guess, the, the first, one of the first uh, passive uh, retrofit installations that we were looking at. Uh, and they were really helpful um, and they really pointed us and the owners in, in the right direction. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, you know, within a few months, you know, we had the, the, the scheme fully planned out, uh, measured and costed. So uh, that, 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 was, that, that, that was really excellent. And I think, you know, the property managers need to be kind of less apprehensive about reaching out to these, these kind of agencies, particularly the EST, um, because it's actually, you know, in their interest to help get these things in as well, because the more successful they are, uh, ultimately, you know, the more funding that they'll get for it. So I think, uh, you know, let's let's all just try and work together on this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Useful. Um, so, Al, you wrote a paper, which you've mentioned a number of times, for the Property Institute. Um, used to be, well, the amalgamation of IRPM and Arma. Um, and something that caught my attention um, when I read it was that fire hazards, for obvious reasons, and also the need for updated compliance. Um, can you tell us more about your thoughts on that? Uh, yes, my understanding is that um, with respect to car fires, the, the data that they use in terms of... Um, fire safety, <clears throat> excuse me while I clear my throat, is that, you know, it's based on a 1960s car. Oh, wow. Um, okay. If on the rare occasions that electric vehicles do catch fire, they are self-seeding, so they don't need an, an oxygen supply, and they can go on for hours. And I think there was a case uh, earlier this year or maybe late last year in the United States where a, a Tesla caught fire. It needed 32,000 gallons of water to put it out. Wow. So there is um, there is that. There, I think it is very rare, but it's something that I think would need to be taken into consideration, that possibility in terms of fire safety regulations. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That, 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 that is, yeah, that is quite a long time. So, so Derek, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I know that we, we we're seeing this uh, being commented on um, on uh, uh, fire assessments um, when uh, the slightly slightly different setup in Scotland to England in terms of requirement to do FREs. But sure. um, normally you'll find you know uh, if if there's an FRE being done, it's normally an insurer that asks for it. So we we are seeing these things being commented on, and it's almost at the moment it's a kind of cut and paste. Um, but you know, be aware. You know, if if there's electric vehicles in there, but um, I don't know too much about this. But I'm guessing um, the uh, the risk from an electrical fire from an electric vehicle uh, comes when the the batteries are um, are being stimulated, for a better word. Yeah. Um, so if you know you have vehicles in a in a, in a passive uh, charging network, you know they're all going to be maybe with the odd exception, you know, they're, they're going to be cranking away maximum seven kilowatts. Um, yeah. So it's not a rapid charge situation. You know, it's not, you're not plugging them into one of these massive superchargers that's, sure. you know, that you're getting 200 kilowatts an hour or anything like that. Uh -huh. um, so I'm, I'm guessing, um, and I did see a video um, of a, a, a car on fire and it was next to uh, a rapid charger. So I'm kind of putting the two and two things, two things together. Um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, there is a um, you know a requirement to be aware of this um, the, the situation. Um, but 
uh, as Alan said, you know, the instances of this are pretty rare. And this comes back to my point as well that um, that I was making earlier on that, you know, when, you know, customers are apprehensive about something, you know, they, they will maybe gravitate towards the, the, the negative side of things, sure. um, even although it's, it, you know, the, the it's a it's a fairly rare or, or unusual unusual thing to happen, but um, yeah, and, and I do think actually the um, the uh, this is probably more of a technical point, but you know the, the battery technology um, that we've got at the moment uh, is is set to change. You know, there's there's great strides uh, coming um, with the solid state batteries and different materials that are being used in them, all of which uh, require there to be less uh, uh, heat uh, right. in, in the battery, and I think. You know, as we're as we're getting through the next kind of decade, I think that the instances of these these kind of fires will be uh, less uh, as the, the as the the, the technology uh, changes for it uh, as, as we move forward. Yeah, I mean, tech moves so quickly in, in every aspect that these days, doesn't it? So you know, I mean, you would you would you would think that that would be at the forefront of any future um, advances to you know to, to to I mean, it sounds like it's very rare anyway, but to keep it to an absolute minimum. So. Um, okay, cool. <clears throat> That's very useful. Sorry, do you want to come back on anything on that, Alan? Or are you... yes, I I think um, the the bigger risk uh, really in terms of fire is um, people plugging hybrids into trickle charges so i've seen this at a number of developments that ev solutions is is helping we'll go to a development we'll see a number of cars um, plugged into a 13 amp socket um, with their trickle charges and in a couple of cases i saw extension leads and two trickle charges going through this one extension lead through this 13 amp socket and i just thought oh crikey the you know i obviously had to mention it there and then um and i think that that's probably the bigger risk. I think the, you know, when, once you've got the infrastructure in there, the risks are extremely low. But um, yeah, uh, you know, and as well, you know, trickle charges, um, you know, presenting trip hazards. We uh, t- t- it's a funny story about that, Alan. We um, ran a campaign uh, previously through one of the kind of national newspapers up here, and and we had to um, produce content for it. You know. Fairly, fairly regularly, uh, and it was actually we got a, a call from uh, customers in a, in a actually a really nice development just outside of Glasgow, um, and uh, it was the cleaning contractor, uh, and and she said um, quite broad Glasgow accent. I don't know if I can do it, um, but she said, "Can I unplug the the car?" So what do you mean? <laughs> she said, "Oh, the the, the communal socket on one of the landings." Someone's got a cable trailing out to their car, like literally, you know, thirty yards, you know, out the window. This was the second oh, floor man. down uh, across the, the the courtyard to to, to their car. So my answer was that yes, of course you can unplug the car. A, they shouldn't be using the common electricity, and you know they need to find a better solution for it. But you know, as a result of that, you know, part of the story we we, we mocked up a, a photograph. We actually did it here at the office because we've got a car park at the back where we had, uh, it was a multi-gang socket, uh, and we had, you know, five or six plugs uh, plugged into it, and each of the plugs had a label on it. It was like, you know, Tesla, Jaguar, you know, to kind of say, you know, that this potentially this, this is what can happen. Um, and, uh, you know, there's the there's a, the there's electrical, obviously, overload issue, uh, and also the, the, the physical, you know, trip hazard uh, as these things go through. And, you know, and I think... We've got a situation here now where the tax advantages are now so strong 
um, that if you you know are given the option for um, uh, 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 you know through through your through your company car scheme to take an electric car or, or an internal combustion car, um, you're, you're probably if you think there's a there's a, a way of handling that and and you know and charging it regularly, you know you might be prepared to take that risk. Um, and I think you know that that's really something, and it's certainly conversation that we have with our customers um, about the potential concerns there from having you know cables trailing you know down you know pipe runs etc uh, through their through development so yeah I agree it's really something and what you what you want to have in a development is a you know system that everybody looks at you know knows it has to be maintained um, but you know it's, it's a known quantity and, and everyone using it in a uniform way yeah yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. I have to say before you ask that um, um, that I do plug mine into a proper external thirty that socket, <laughs> and there is no trip hazard. Although, having said that, my other half is getting a hybrid mini Countryman. Uh, well, I say it was due last November. I think it's finally coming this November, um, and I'm going to have to find a way to charge that because uh, because our car is parked right in the front of the house and there are no external sockets there, so I'm going to have to get something put in there. But yes, and also your attempt at a Glasgow accent was atrocious. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so just to, just to, actually, to be fair, I have to say one of the, and this is, I saw a documentary years and years ago, and, and it was all about electric vehicles, and it was about electric vehicles on business leases going back and the charging cables had not come out of the wrappers. Yeah, but the, the taxation on cars in this country is, um, you know, it's been going up and up and up over the years that people see it as a way to, to jump in and do it. But I certainly think nowadays they take advantage of the charging as well. As well. But I think five, six years ago, it was just a way to beat the, the, the tax, yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly the taxation on my hybrid because I, I can't remember what the actual cutoff point down you maybe even know it's over 45 or over 50 miles or something like that you then move to another tax bracket and mine fortunately does that so actually the, the tax breaks on my car are phenomenal yeah you know not zero but but it's less than 100 for a month to run that car whereas it's diesel alternative is eye-watering yeah so, so um just last question. This, this has been really, really useful. Last question. We've actually covered a bit of this, um, but but Alan, do you want to take this one first? Um, do you think the industry needs to work together on this to make it happen, or will it take legislation to make things happen? Because we all know how long it takes to get legislation through. Uh, I think it's 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 both really. Um, the, the there isn't a you know something you can pull out of a box and just take into a site every site is going to have its unique challenges and uh, one of the things that is going to be a big challenge with a lot of sites and it's a bit like broadband really i don't know you know where i live in henley on thames we've got fiber right to the to my front door so i've got you know really good wi-fi but for years it was you know fiber to the exchange and then the last hundred meters of it was on a copper cable so you lost a lot of those um performance um gains and it's much the same with the um electric uh, the, the electricity grid so in terms of the high voltage side of that the you know when we're all driving electric cars there's no problems it will actually cope with that we've actually seen since 2006 i think it is an actual decrease in the amount of electricity that we're, we're using the problem comes when you're looking to go from the local substation or the local transformer to um to, you know getting that 
the, the required supply to um, charging points. So what we are anticipating is that a number of developments where we're putting in EV charging infrastructure is that we'll have to actually upgrade the electricity supply as well. Sure. Yeah. If you take most developments, say say you know a small block of uh, of ten flats, something like that, you'll have a communal supply. Uh, generally in those types of development but it'll be rated at 100 amps yeah. and you know you need 30 amps a 30 a separate 30 amp um, spur to come off that to be able to go to um, uh, an EV charges so realistically and you know assuming that there's minimal services coming off that you're probably restricted to two uh, charges and as a consequence you're almost certainly going to have to upgrade that supply to allow all leaseholders access to uh, electric vehicle charging so so that that's the big problem um yeah. one of the the advantages that um that leaseholders will have because i think you know leaseholders get a bit of a raw deal compared to to freeholders oh. is that i've got a charger at home and it's um, 7.4 kilowatts yeah. and i'm going to max out at that because i've got it coming off a 13 amp spur and that's probably i might be able to go to an 11.4 kilowatt charger at some point um, on larger developments where you've got a three-phase um, electricity supply coming in, it might be that um, 22 kilowatt charging is available uh, right. for a number of um, leaseholders. So th there might actually be some advantages to being a leaseholder um, yeah. on a number of developments. Okay, okay, that's that's that's. It's, good. it's nice that they actually get something. Yeah, I could get on my soapbox here about the leasehold system and the common hold system, but this is probably not the appropriate um, format for that. <laughs> we could do that another day. We could do that yeah. another day. So, so Derek, just coming to you on that one, do you think the industry needs to work together on this or do you think legislation is going to be what's needed to make it happen? Um, I think the industry does need to work together on it, but I think um, there's going to be a kind of, you know, the penny's going to drop on this. Um, and I think uh, once, you know, in terms of the legislation, I think once it becomes apparent that there's uh, there's less downsides to passing legislation, uh, you know, whereas previously, you know, when it's just the early uptakers, you can understand that, you know, that if the majority of someone's constituents, you know, thought that this wasn't needed uh, and was maybe being imposed on them. Yeah, um, sure. What was interesting was the, the, the Scottish Parliament had a, a really a really positive interesting debate back in i think it was the 19th of january and the, the debate was about retrofitting uh, older properties so it yeah. looked at you know a whole load of uh, different uh, issues uh, you know to do with insulation and in older buildings etc but um there was a, an msp who uh, who stood up and, and made a, a couple of really interesting points but so in, in scotland the way that the, uh, the the title deeds are structured is that it's really it's not impossible um but uh, it, it's it's very difficult to install something into a building that wasn't there already okay. um because the idea is that when you buy into a property you kind of you know what's there you know you've got a dooring system you've got you know controlled access gates you get this and you get that so you know there's a known quantum there but what you're going to have to repair maintain and pay for so yeah. if you go to put something new into a building that wasn't there before, other than um, a, a couple of, uh, you know, really not very straightforward legal mechanisms, 
you're really looking for everyone to agree to that. Yeah. So yeah. if you've got a block of 20 flats, uh, and even if the majority of the owners of the flats um, want to get that that charging facility in, um, just one or two owners or even one owner can say no, and then, and then that's it. It doesn't go ahead unless you go down this kind of protracted legal route. So it was interesting watching that debate and the MSP saying, "Look, is this really fair? Uh, is this really the way that it's going to go?" Um, and, and we, you know, we are, as property managers, as factors, you know, we're great believers in democracy. You know, our business is built on ensuring that, you know, whenever we do something, that there's a consensus. The majority of the owners, give or take, um, the odd exception, according to the textual leads, want something to happen. Um, so we, we think uh, in terms of uh, the, the Scottish situation, I'm interested here, Alan, what, what legislation says down south, um, but there's, a, there's actually a relatively straightforward fix to this, we think, uh, and, and this is it. So we've got a piece of legislation in Scotland called the Tenements Act. Yeah. Um, the Tenements Act talks about how owners uh, of... Uh, blocks of flats get together and make decisions about how they're going to maintain the building. Um, now, buried within that act, uh, there's one exception to, uh, to, to to this if you want to put something new into a building. And the one exception is if you want to install a door entry system. So the Tenements Act is not just about old, in Glasgow, it'd be a sandstone tenement or... or, or you know, whatever, it's actually about all blocks of flats, but it recognises that there's a tangible benefit to the owners uh, for their safety and security. So if you don't have a controlled door entry system, just the majority of the owners can decide to install that. And that's a new thing that goes in, and that then binds all the owners into that. So, yeah. we, so we think that because the, the legislation uh, that's been around for a good time now has already established that principle, we think that the legislation could be easily adjusted um, to include uh, for you know uh, uh, any installation uh, that's going to improve the um, the environmental efficiencies of, of the property, whether that's EV charging or solar panels or whatever. Yeah. Um, so we know that um, you know this is something that can be done. Uh, it just depends whether you know anyone's willing to take that on board and say, okay. You know, for the greater good, for the greater benefit, is this something that we're willing to uh, to, to look at changing? Uh, and I think if and when the change is made, I think uh, particularly in Scotland, you'll see a massive uptake of these things because yep. a lot of the, the frustration is, well, you know, if there's someone really, really against this, um, there's really no, no point. And, and democracy... It is it really has to has to be everything. There's also a side issue to do with affordability, which yeah, is yeah, which, yeah. Is, uh, which is, is definitely something um, that uh, you know is, is, is going to be an issue. Um, but you know, as we can see with issues like the the OZIP, uh, grants coming through, you know, it's certainly going to make it uh, much more affordable. So there is a we think there is a, a relatively quick and easy fix in Scotland that would revolutionise this. Uh, it just depends whether uh, it's going to get picked up in action. Right. Okay. And Alan, do you think there's um, similar a quick fix for England, or is it is it much oh, more wish complicated? <laughs> no, it's it's considerably more complicated. Um, at the moment, I think um, the, most of the developments that we're working on with EV solutions, uh, it's very much um, it's a bit like um, enfranchisement in that okay. you know it's those that want to participate are having to fund those that that don't, right. and then those that want to come in at a later date. 
um, will have to buy into that. The the biggest issues we we face legally are you know when there's um, the, the lease basically has a prohibition on these things, but even where you've got sweeper clauses that will allow for um, <clears throat> alterations, unfortunately, um, you're still probably looking at licenses to alter, and yeah. you also then have to define you know how you collect um, the, the monies to actually maintain these systems, and that that is um, going to mean that you know that the government has recognized the fact that there's infrastructure costs and there's the, the grants for those are for, i think it's 350 pounds towards each individual charger and 500 pounds towards the infrastructure costs for each uh, car parking space um what the government hasn't recognized is that there's going to be a lot a, a, a tremendous um, legal bill for any development that wants to do this and, and wants yeah. to do it in such a way that they don't then prejudice people trying to sell their properties because yeah. um, I, I you know I see it in the not too distant future that somebody's going to see you know electrical vehicle charging infrastructure on a, a set of accounts and some sharp-eyed solicitors going to say well actually the lease doesn't cover this so yeah I do think the the government needs to to legislate I mean they're already sort of hard, you know going in that direction and I you know I think there's some legislation that's uh, that's been proposed or even going through where if a development is is going through major development work then they have to look at installing um, EV charging infrastructure uh, but it doesn't go far enough I, I think the government has to you know bring in legislation that will um, you know override certain conditions in, in leases um, another major problem we've obviously got the, the leasehold system in this country and where you've got independent uh, freeholders there is no legal obligation for them to uh, provide access rights over common land yeah so that is um that is a problem as well so the the legal side is probably the biggest single issue um the second biggest issue is the the actual electricity supply in most in a lot of cases but the third big issue is um is the cat herding and um does everybody is everybody familiar with the term cat herding you could explain for me so it's fascinating it, <laughs> it, it's um so roger hardwick who's the the solicitor that i uh, did the presentation with with the uh, the institute of residential property management i've known him for a number of years and, and whenever there's an enfranchisement it, you know trying to get everybody to sort of um put their their money in it, it's a difficult process and, and we refer to it as cat herding because all right can okay. imagine it's um extremely difficult to herd cats and it, yes. it's much the same thing here and i think the biggest challenge that property managers will have with their developments is when they get these inquiries where do you start that that you know do you start with the lease do you start with the electricity supply do you you know look at the technology what's available and that's where you know that that's fundamentally the the need that uh, ev solutions is addressing in that we are actually able to um to to, to give property managers reports and give them a starting point for debate with the leaseholders and to hopefully make that cat herding process um, a little bit easier. Okay, okay. Wow, yeah, that and does it, sound it, like... Sorry, Derek, when you go... It, 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 it does sound like it's a bit of a walk in the park up here compared to what you've got. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's there's real nuances to what we do, but wow, that sounds like, you know, you've, you've got a real... Um, and I think that's, I think you're, you're dead right. You know, that that, that kind of deadlock uh, is only going to get broken by, you know, the government stepping in and creating 
uh, you know, you know, additional legislation that's that's just going to free all that 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 situation up. Yeah, yeah, it certainly does sound like it. it. Certainly does sound like. Yeah, it. and then of course you've got to bill for the electricity as well because we're not anticipating that the uh, distribution network operators are going to look to install a new meter for every electrical uh, vehicle charging point that's going in. Uh, and you know that that's something that has to be looked at as well so in a lot of developments i think you're going to have to look at installing uh, wi-fi systems alongside any electrical vehicle charging infrastructure because the most charges these days are what's called ocpp compliant and they will basically spit out information uh, including how much electricity is being used and from, you know, if they're able to do that and there's a Wi-Fi network, then you can actually implement a billing system as well. Wow. Lots to, lots to think about. Lots to think about. Um, well, Alan, thanks very much for that, for, um, for, for all that info. Derek, do you have anything before we close? Uh, no, no. I just think it's been absolutely fascinating. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, particularly in Scotland, you know, watch this space. You know, I think we're on the... Uh, hopefully on the verge of uh, making you know a big change up here that's going to be uh, that's going to again I use the word will democratize you know the, the way that these decisions are, are, are taken so uh, and uh, you know the more the more the industry educates itself uh, the, the better the position that we'll be in to to, to help um, you know owners in these developments and and there's, there's also that you know there's, a, there's I think one thing we haven't really discussed here is the you know that the added value um, that uh, you know that will go into to, to these properties, and uh, you know, and, and and hopefully, you know, persuading uh, you know new 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 property owners that you know you it's it's perfectly plausible to to own an apartment and have the same utility out of that as a as a as a house with off street parking. Yeah, 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 no, no, that's a that's a fair point. I mean, imagine having a buying an electric vehicle um, and then wanting to move to a bigger flat, and your current flat has EV charging, and the new one doesn't. You're not going to buy it, are you? So, uh, yeah. so yeah, fair, very, very fair point. Um, Alan, anything just before before we end from you? Uh, yes, actually, just where you've made the point about you know moving from one flat and you know going to a bigger flat. Uh, you know, as any property manager in the UK, I don't know if you have the same in Scotland, but we have the LPE1 format um, where somebody's transferring a property as property managers, we're asked to fill in those forms. I would anticipate in the next few years that there are going to be questions added about electric vehicle charging yeah. infrastructure. And yeah. those questions, if if people haven't taken heed of the, the legal side and what's in the lease and made the appropriate changes, they're going to get caught out when it comes to sale of properties. Yeah, yeah, very, very much. Did I not see an article a couple of weeks ago, Alan? I think it was fairly well publicised in the national press, and it was a uh, a leaseholder um, that was about to move on, and it might have been like a main door flat, um, and it installed a, a just a home charger, seven kilowatt charger, um, and he was told to to remove it. Um, pretty pretty sure it was something it was something like that. And he was saying, "Well, hold on a minute. You know, this is a I've installed this. I'm not looking to take it with me. Um, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's for the benefit of the next, uh, you know, the the the, the next leaseholder. Um, but he was told to take it off anyway. 
Uh, yeah, lightly because um, he was in. Uh, I, I haven't seen the case. I've been sunning myself in France for the last two weeks. But <laughs> it's uh, in, in all likelihood he's been in breach of the provisions of the lease, and, and mm -hmm. as such, he's been asked to remove it. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, yeah, no, it is. Well, gents, thank you very much. That's been that's been hugely interesting and a, and a, a great subject matter to cover. Um, and maybe we should come back in a year's time or, or a bit more and see how much has moved on from there as well. Because, you know, these things do, they, they, they need to move quickly, they need to move quickly. And I, I suppose the last thing to say is I hope one day I can afford to buy electric cars like you guys have got. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you. Thanks very much.